Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey folks, before we get this episode started, I'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon supporters over on patreon.com slash positivelytrek, including Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, Jim Stoffel and Dave Garcia. Thank you all so much for your support. If you'd like to help keep Positively Trek coming to you each week, please go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You can help out the show and at any level you will receive perks such as early access and exclusive bonus content. Thank you all so much for listening. And with that, let's get on with the show. Medical Ethics. Chief Medical Officer. Your mission, navigate a paralyzed Klingon's request for an honorable death. Oh, uh, okay. You must help me kill myself. I broke my back picking up a peanut. I excree this. You, Dan. Me, Bruce. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Positively Track. We're here to talk about I excree this, the eighth episode of season two of Lower Decks. Thank you so much for joining us. Dan, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Uh, This is kind of a first for us. We're recording this on the actual day that the episode came out. So uh, usually we've had a couple days to kind of sit with our thoughts, but like we're just fresh off of watching this episode a couple times. I'm I'm excited. This is kind of cool. I am too. I... I don't know. Maybe we should do this more often. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? it's not a bad idea. Like, I don't have any other people's opinions kind of coloring like, ooh, was I not supposed to like that part? Or, oh, I didn't think that was really funny, but all these other people did. So maybe that, you know, I don't have any of that. This is just like our raw off the cuff observations about the episode. Absolutely. I have no idea what you think of this episode, except for before we start recording, we started throwing quotes out. So Mm -hmm. obviously we found some things to be humorous. So we're going to go into spoilers. We're going to go right into this episode. So I don't know. I'm sorry. I just always feel like I want to start off like this by asking, what did you think of this episode? I loved it. I thought it was great. I mean, there's so many callbacks to classic Star Trek stuff. The character stuff, again, which this season has just been so great with dealing with. Uh, there's so much good stuff like that in this episode. And the the kind of fish out of water stories for both the upper decks and lower decks people, I thought that was terrific. So, yeah, I, I loved almost everything about this episode. <laughs> Ooh, almost everything. So is there something in there? And you don't need to tell us now. I want to kind of save that. But there's something here you don't like? Actually, no, like there's nothing that I didn't like about the episode, but uh, there, there's some there's some choice censoring bars that I'm really glad are there. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, yes, I, I understand. <laughs> I had a feeling that's what it was. OK, well, I'm so glad to hear that you said that you really like this episode because I thought. I don't know what Dan thinks of this episode. I think he'll probably like it, but 
I know that I love this episode. It's one of my favorite Lower Decks episodes. I'm not saying it's the favorite because I'd have to really go back and think, but it's one of my favorites. I really, really love this episode to the point that after I watched it a second time, I was like, oh, I really want to watch it again, but I didn't have time. <laughs> so I thought, what if I really love this? And Dan's just like, eh, this is like the weakest episode for me. I'd be like, oh, no. <laughs> Not at all. No. And like my jokes about the sensor bar and all that stuff is that I actually loved that part, too. Like the whole thing was great. So <laughs> I just want to be on the record for that. That was really funny. So we'll get there, though, I'm sure. <laughs> okay, it just occurred to me, my cosplay idea is going to be a sensor bar. <laughs> um, hmm. And the rest of your costume and your pose? I don't, anyway, no, we won't go there. Well, if I do this in <laughs> Chicago in April, it might be a little too cold for me to do that. Yeah, that might not be so good. <laughs> oh, well. Um, so... Okay, I don't even know where to start. I guess just like we'll start at the beginning. You know, the little cold opening at the beginning to me was the weakest part. It's a cute little scene, but we've already kind of saw that in the trailer that they're, you know, working on this, I don't know, satellite thing or whatever it is. They're working on the lower deckers and the ship leaves them there and abandons them. So I was kind of like, yeah, I kind of seen this before. I loved that part. I don't I don't know. Even though it was in the trailer, I can't really fault the episode for that. I, no. I thought this was funny. Just the the sarcastic mariner, I don't know, her delivery of that, like, okay, and they left us. Great. Uh so how much air do we have? Like a lot, a little ballpark here. I don't know. I love her kind of off the cuff kind of remarks here. And then the fact that it was six hours. <laughs> that they left them out there and they were freezing and life support was failing. And apparently Mariner had to have her lungs rebuilt by the doctor because of this, <laughs> but no big deal. You know, it's, it's fine. She, see, you're going to be fine. I, I love that. I thought that was a great way to start the episode. I loved, and because I said, you know, it was in the trailer, so it wasn't a big surprise to me. I'm like, Oh yeah, I've seen this, but the part I really liked the most was the temporal the the loop of the like the the i don't remember what they were saying but it kept repeating repeating and then they're coming back again and again and again <laughs> yeah like, the the distress call kept getting sent because of the temporal causality loop yeah yes yes so i thought that was funny i like that i kept thinking of oh gosh cause and effect yes <laughs> Which, I by the way, is the name of one of the scenarios later that we don't get I to saw see, that. but it's on the list. <laughs> I saw that on the list, yes. That's why I'm like, oh, I hate it when I have those brain farts, because I know cause and effect. It's one of my favorite episodes, but it's just one of those, eh, eh, it's not, it's not coming out. What is it? Um, oh, that sounds gross. But anyway, uh, <laughs> we've got the Starfleet drill instructor, who's a Pendronian from the animated series from the episode BEM, which again, we knew from a trailer, we we're going to see this character, but I was very anxious to see how this character is going to work out because any character that can divide its body into three parts and float around is hilarious to me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is one of those things from the animated series that, you know, it's kind of silly and over the top, but works in the animated world and then moving it to the future here. Like, I don't feel like they could do this on card i could be wrong but like in lower decks i'm more forgiving because it's you know fits in that whole silliness universe but you know it's one of those things from the animated series that i bet you they were thinking like 
can we get away with bringing this forward? Can we get away with having this look so ridiculous? And Mike McMahon, true to form, just said, yeah, let's go for it. I'm glad they did because it is kind of silly. It's silly in the animated. It's kind of weird in the animated series, in my opinion. But it's Mm -hmm. kind of silly then to have this in here because it's actually quite funny. But I did see someone mention online that they're kind of getting tired of the animated series callbacks because it seems to be happening week after week that when they go into an episode to watch, they're thinking, oh, what's going to be the animated series Easter egg in this episode? Like they're coming to expect it every week and it's being met every week. And they're like, how many times are they going to call back to it? Does it bother you that they keep calling back to the animated series week after week this season? Not at all. I, for one, I'm, I'm glad the animated series is getting the love because You know, thinking back to the last however many years since the animated series was on the air, we get like a tiny handful of references back to the animated series. And I can think of like two off the top of my head. And now that it's up there with Voyager in Deep Space Nine in that it's getting callbacks every week, I want them to, you know, reference every single episode of every single other show by the time Lower Decks is done. And the animated series deserves that treatment as well. So I'm all for it. Yeah. The animated series is a part of the Star Trek universe, and I'm glad that it's being acknowledged. I have to agree with you on that. I do enjoy that we keep revisiting the animated series. It's It's been a lot of fun because, to your point, we're not going to see this type of alien on Picard, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, so it's kind of one of those, well, we'll never see this alien again except for TAS. But now, no, we have lower decks. We can see that alien creature there and three parts floating around (laughs) (laughs) so that's what makes it fun but i'll tell you something i really do want i want some kind of reference visual reference to the gold key comics in an episode i know most people won't get it probably but man if we can work something in from the gold key comics oh i would just like fall on the floor and just be so giddy with it hmm I'm 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 trying to think in my head like what that would look like. And I see like them looking at a picture of Spock that like some artist has done of Spock and his ears are ridiculously big and you can just tell from the coloring that it's like the gold key style. And Boimler's like, "Wow, they were really off on how Spock looks here. Like, who did this portrait? That's ridiculous or something." And we'd all get it. We would all totally get it. Right. They even got the tunic colors wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Spock never wore green. And then this one might be a little bit too touchy for them to do, and I don't think they should. But, like, Boimler's like, wait a minute, Uhura isn't white. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking that one, too. Yeah, that That, would be funny, too. That's a little too risky because of the huge numbers of the audience that wouldn't get it. And they'd just be like, what kind of joke is this? But yeah. uh, No, they wouldn't get it. Most people would not get that. I mean, I've only read the Gold Key comics when we started doing it a few years ago on Literary Tracks, and I wouldn't have got that Mm -hmm. prior to that. Oh, totally. Yeah, me neither. I don't know. I don't know how they would work it in, but your idea would work. But I I don't know. I would just like to eat something like picks on the comics, Gold Key or whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. just for fun. But, okay, so I like the simulator holopods. I thought those were cool. I thought, you know, the holodecks are cool, but a pod seems like you can do just as much as you can on a holodeck. It's like, I want one. I could actually fit it in my living room. I've always kind of thought that, like, the holodeck doesn't need to be this big, huge room because 
as you're walking around the holodeck, they say it's like a treadmill effect, right? Like the, the environment moves under your feet and you feel like you're walking forward so you don't run into a wall. And I'm like, well, why do you need a big, huge room then? You know, I could see, of course, when you're playing, you know, maybe a rival Starship's baseball team so you can all fit in there. <laughs> but by the way, side note, we've seen the hollow suites on Deep Space Nine. This is a total tangent, by the way. And they're fairly small. And I was always thinking, like, if you had two full baseball teams in there, like, they must be standing nose to nose, but they just, you know, through illusions and stuff, make it look like they're not. And I'm like, that's really weird. Maybe they're in two different hollow suites. Anyway, that's uh, that's when we talk about the episode, Take Me Out to the Hollow Suite on Deep Space Nine. Not this episode, but you've got my, like, Trekkie mind gears going here now. <laughs> Halfway through what you were just saying, I thought, well, maybe they're on different hollow suites. And then you said that. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it would make sense. You probably could go on different hollow suites. Actually, in this episode, when they're in the hollow pods and Mariner's in the mirror universe and she runs into Boimler, I thought she was seeing Boimler from his hollow suite at that moment. For half a second, yeah, I thought that too. Until, yeah. until we realized he's like the mirror Boimler, apparently. <laughs> exactly, yeah. But yeah, that confused me. Even the second time. For that split second, I was like, oh, Boimler from, oh, no, wait, wait, wait. This is a mere Boimler from the simulation. He's in his own hollow pod doing something else. Instead of the high-pitched screams, I guess he, like, squeals or something. (laughs) (laughs) But the thing about the hollow pods, and I'm kind of jumping ahead on something, when Boimler's in the Wild West and she falls off the horse and she's now laying down and being trampled on and throwing him around or whatever, I was like, how is that happening in the hollow pod? Is there enough room for her to be thrown around, tossed around and thrown on the ground like that? I, I think it makes clever use of the space. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, it's all smoke and mirrors, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. Cause you know what? They can have artificial gravity where she's not really falling on the floor. She's just falling on the wall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we've seen in Voyager when Bolana was orbital skydiving on the holodeck and when she ended the program, she stopped like in midair and like slowly rotated and landed softly on the ground. So, yeah, they play around with gravity. They do all the kinds of stuff in there. Yeah. Oh, wow. I forgot about that. Yeah. So, yeah, the Starfleet instructor, Sherry Yen Yem, is <laughs> saying that they'll all earn points and that the senior staff is going to be the lower deckers and the lower deckers are going to be the senior staff on the bridge. And of course the lower deckers are all thrilled and the senior officers are like, Oh, this is going to be a piece of cake. This is a walk in a park. I mean, it's like a vacation for them because the lower decker is like nothing. Their job is so easy. But then, then when we get the lower deckers going into the pods and like we're talking about Mariner in the mirror universe, that's when things really were getting to be fun because we're seeing all the characters in these different situations. And like you said about that board that listed episode names mm-hmm. from prior Star Treks. Yeah, that was fun. A bunch of episode names like directly taken and then other ones that are like obviously referencing things we've seen before, but don't have the exact same name. So like they couldn't have Star Trek, the motion picture up there, but they did have carbon based units. So yeah, we, we got it. <laughs> the other thing we saw up there is Jennifer's last name. Yes, I did see that. That's pretty cool. And it's Shreyan. 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 Jennifer Shreyan. Okay. That's cool too. 
Yeah, that comes like from the way the uh, Andorian names are used in the novels quite mm-hmm. often. So uh, that was pretty cool. So one thing I really thought was funny about the Mirror Universe is Billups. Because first when he shows up, he doesn't look like Billups. So I was like, <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's Billups. But I'm not positive because we don't have the mustache, but we have a beard. And then he mentions how he's horny all the time. Mm-hmm. That would not have worked. That line would not have worked if we had not received last week's episode. Absolutely. So last week, we speculate that he's asexual. And then the Mirror Universe version, he's horny all the time. And uh, as Rutherford says, and torturing makes you horny. <laughs> makes us horny and when you're horny you want to torture and what does he say that's a loop you can stuck get stuck in all day or something like that <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then i like how mariner salutes boimler but she uses her left hand and Boimler was like wait a second you used your left hand and that's how he knew that she wasn't really who she says she is and so she failed the program they were failing their programs yeah absolutely it all kinds of failure all across the board for them. And yeah, it seems like these tests are really specific. They they really want you to do a specific thing, but yeah, they're not doing very well. You're absolutely right about that. Well, then we have Tendi and she's a chief medical officer and she's, <laughs> and her program is medical ethics and she's got a paralyzed Klingon and he needs his honorable death. She needs to kill him with his blade. Which, of course, she's like, no, I have to save your life. And her score starts coming down, you know. And then she's like, here, I'll just, oh, okay, I'll just kill you. I'll send you to Stovacor. But this will be painless. And her score comes down. <laughs> yeah. That, so the Klingon says you have to use this blade. And it's right out of the episode ethics. Like, even the design of the knife is exactly the knife that Worf wanted Riker to use to kill him when he had broken his back. And the medical uniforms are wearing those red things from head to toe the surgical uniforms from uh i think we first saw those in season two of tng yeah Yeah. uh the surgical scrubs or whatever Uh, i love this whole scene the whole uh they're trying to kill him and i did notice when he's pounding on the chest it was like a type of cpr thing but my mind went to mccoy uh trying to save gorkon's life in star trek six and he's pounding the chest but uh in that case, Gorkon died shortly thereafter, but here it's unsuccessful because this Klingon is alive and there's nothing we can do. And he has to call it time of life. Oh, 900. No. <laughs> <laughs> and he's there because he's, he broke his back picking up a peanut. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great line as well. Yep. Yeah. That was one of my favorite lines in the whole episode. Both times I watched, I laughed out loud. I don't know why. A Klingon picking up a peanut, breaking his back doing it, it's just hilarious to me. I pick up peanuts quite often at my house. I go, okay, <laughs> here we go. Seriously, I haven't broken my back over it. But in our pantry, up on the top shelf, I keep a little thing of peanuts. So every once in a while, I want to just have a one, little bit of the munchies going on. I go in there and I just pour a little peanuts in my hand. And every once in a while, a little peanut falls off. And I'm like, oh, crap, I better pick up the peanut. It's somewhere on the floor. My wife's going to freak out if I left a peanut there and we, it tracks ants or something. And so I have to look for the peanut. So when I saw that and I thought about him breaking his back, I was picturing him in my pantry spilling a peanut on the floor well, and picking it up. You've got to be careful now, Bruce. I mean, you know now the dangers that can arise from picking up a peanut, right? I mean, yeah. 
got to be careful. Exactly. And I don't want the cats to eat the peanut and my youngest daughter's allergic to peanuts. That's not good either. Not that she would pick it off the floor and eat it. I mean, she's 17. She knows better. So You got to get one of those grabber things, I guess. <laughs> we do. I pick up the cat toys with that. It's so great. Little cat toys are over the place. And I just have the little grabber. I don't need to bend over. We need to get a cling on one of those grabber things. Well, let's talk about the next scenario. The old and Dan's saying, Bruce is off on a tangent. Let's move on. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> well, I mean, the Old West planet. I was going to say, you know, they have bars in the Old West, and a lot of times there'd be peanuts on the floor of those bars, right? So That's true. I was yes. doing a natural segue. <laughs> I love this segue. It would have been funny if the Klingon was at the Wild West, and that's where it happened, right? Oh, man, that could have been, yeah. <laughs> But this Old West planet, the thing that I loved about it was the actual Old West town looked exactly like the one from Spectre of the Gun, the original series, where it's just the facades of the buildings and not the actual substance of them. I thought that was great. Yeah. In the building at the far distance, you can see through the windows like a two by four. Well, I guess it's more than a two by four, but whatever. A piece of what, keeping the set up, you know, the facade up. That This was my least favorite environment. Like... Her getting on, I mean, it was fun seeing that, what you just said, but then the whole horse thing, I didn't really get that. Like, okay, she can't ride the horses. I didn't think that was all that funny. Yeah. Just, okay. We do get the payoff later when the captain reveals that she, like, Mariner had two years of horse riding lessons and those were apparently wasted because of her poor performance there. So we did get the payoff a little bit later, but yeah, they didn't spend a lot of time with this one because it, it, yeah, it was the weakest in my opinion. Yes, it is the weakest link. Goodbye. And then we had Rutherford on the good of the many simulation, which that answers the question we were talking about in an earlier episode. It's like, hey, we see Boimler in like the Scotty engineering suit. Yeah, it was, it was Rutherford, that? but yeah. What yeah. did I say? You said Boimler. <laughs> I have here in my notes Rutherford. I don't know why I said Boimler. <laughs> well, Boimler's name is right under that, so maybe that's what I did. But anyway, yes, it's Rutherford. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, he's in the engineering white suit or whatever we've seen in the movies. And, of course, this is taking place during the Wrath of Khan, during the death scene. But now he's got to go in and try to save the ship himself. And he puts his boots on his hands because the, th the little handle's too hot to touch. And we also see the Enterprise from the outside, which we saw that in a trailer. We were wondering about that. And he blew up the ship. Yeah, this was fun. It was great to see the the designs, right? First of all, the set, nice, nicely recreated in animated form here. The engineering outfits and the, the Wrath of Khan style uniforms. And I mean, you know, they've just got to study the old missions, right? Because Spock, when he went into the, the radiation chamber, what's the first thing he did after he mind melded with McCoy, right? He reached over and grabbed Scotty's gloves and put them on and went in. So, you know, there's there's a set of gloves that go with that uniform. Rutherford's just got to find those. And, and <laughs> yeah. I love the ensign who was like, this really doesn't seem like it should be this hard, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was reading Trek Corps earlier. They had their review of this episode and they mentioned that this is the first time we've seen the maroon uniforms since flashback in Voyager. Wow. That's Which crazy. that was, what, 96? No. Yeah. Yeah, 96. That was the 30th anniversary. So, yeah. So, yeah. It's been, what, 25 years? <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, that's got to be right. Wow. Yeah. 
I know, amazing, isn't it? But I'm glad to see them on Lower Decks. That was pretty cool to mm-hmm. see the animated version. It's the first time we've seen an animated version. Of course, outside of comics, you know, those. But but then we have Boimler. I got the name right this time. Boimler on the Borg <laughs> Encounter. So I really enjoyed this one because this says so much about Boimler's character and what we were talking about last week, that he really is a very competent officer. Like he goes in there and everybody's failing their tests and he's coming in at a 79 and it's not good enough. And he keeps trying to do better. He gets like an 83, then he gets an 84 and he keeps trying to do better and better, better. But he was passing even at the beginning, but the passing wasn't good enough. He wants a near perfect score. I just love that this said so much about his character. Yeah, it shows how far he's come. And I really appreciated that. That was a nice little bit of, you know, showing how really he is the most competent person on the ship. And the captain even calls it out later where she says he's one of our best. And Mariner's like, he's one of our best. Is he really? (laughs) Really? (laughs) But yeah, he really is. And I, I love how far he's come. He knows exactly what to do. He's read everything about the Borg. And we had that in season one, right? Where he was book smart and knew everything, but didn't know how to apply it. But now he's gotten the experience and that sort of thing. And now he's really starting to shine. Yes. Well, at least he didn't have to shine in naked time. So, or he did maybe. So Dan, this sounds like this is your favorite scene bar none. Pun intended. (laughs) Well, I'm glad it wasn't bar none. I'm very thankful that bar was there. Uh, no, I, I wouldn't say it's my favorite part of the episode. I, I, I thought it was hilarious. Um, <laughs> and poor Mariner. <laughs> okay. This whole scene from start to finish, first of all, the shock moments, of course, like the, the, um, uh, the compromising positions that certain people are in and what's going on and everyone's losing their inhibitions and the screen accurate graffiti on the walls from the original series. I thought that was a yes. nice touch as well. But, you know, Mariner sees Jennifer and I think it was uh, the Trill Ensign Barnes uh, making out. And she's like, ooh, like she's kind of into it. And then she sees Boimler and Rutherford and she's like, oh, God, no. <laughs> and runs out, runs into Shax and to Anna, by the way. the this Whoever programmed this holodeck knows these characters because, yeah, that's pretty much what would happen. But at that point, she's had enough and she's like, fail me, fail me, and opens the airlock. She would rather be blasted into the cold depths of space than have to see all of that. (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. That whole sequence was, I I hesitate to say beautiful, but it was brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, didn't she say, fail me, fail me, send me back to the Old West? Oh, I missed that. That's funny. Yeah, I think she said that then. She sent me back to the old west. <laughs> Get me out of here. <laughs> She'd rather be trampled by horses and yes. and blown into space. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The Boimler thing, where he's like, yeah, legs in the air. Like even the second <laughs> time, I wasn't. I forgot about it for a second, and it just, ah, yeah. Don't show me that. It's not for, the first forgot time about seen. it or blocked it out. <laughs> Probably blocked it out. I'm trying to block it out right now. But then we had the very first episode of Lower Decks in season one, the pilot episode. We saw Boimler mm-hmm. naked with a little bar. You yeah, know? Over, so, his, over his little Boimler, yeah. Yeah, over his little Boimler. So Mariner has seen <laughs> the little Boimler twice now. That's true. That's true. Yep. So I'm surprised she still wants to be friends with him. 
I feel like you're not going to let me use that as the episode specific image for this episode. <laughs> I dare you to use that oh. as the image. <laughs> you should see his face, everyone. This is why I wish we were on video right now for you guys. The face on Dan is priceless. <laughs> I can't decide to take you up on that or not. Hmm. No, I, I don't think you should. Well, dear listener, you will know when this episode comes out if I did or not. So. I'll tell you this. If you do, I will just be like cracking up laughing. I won't be like, no, no, no. I would just, I'll just, I'll lose it. I'll be like, well, this may be our last episode ever. I was really hoping you'd veto that because... Uh... Yeah, now I'm like, oh, shoot, he dared me. <laughs> oh, you're talking to me. Like, if anything, I'm not going to veto anything unless it's boring. <laughs> okay, so one of my favorite lines in that scene is when Mariner says, ew, everyone is slick and sliding around. <laughs> well, I guess we know the, the replicators can make astroglides, so there you go. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> I, I I don't know. Okay. I heard I heard that somewhere. <clears throat> <clears throat> moving on. And anyway, moving on. Let's talk about pesto. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Again, this is a favorite line of ours. We talked about this before we started recording. Well, I, we just you just yelled out pesto at one point. Yeah. Well, that was that was Tendy's line at the very end of the episode. But but here where they're eating in the the captain's ready room there, and Tendy's like, "Computer, what is this?" And she's just eating a bowl of green stuff. That is pesto. And she just gives this look at it like, huh. <laughs> I love that. That was cute. But it's one of those things like we we're talking about the horse, like the payoff on that comes later, right? Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's cute that she's like, oh, what is this? Pesto. Oh, okay. But it gets funnier later. Then we see the senior crew and they're enjoying being the lower deckers they're just hanging out in their bunks in the hallway this is like a vacation sure the showers are a little smaller and you know choice of food is limited or whatever but you know hey this is great and all of a sudden red alert red alert starts going on and they're sent to deal with the klingon encounter and they're like oh yeah we can handle the klingons and they're like yeah you're gonna stack crates as the Klingons are invading the ship, you're going to stack the crates. <laughs> so it just now occurs to me that the name Klingon Encounter was the name of the ride at the Star Trek experience at the Las Vegas Hilton. No way. I just realized that. Wow. There you go. See? <laughs> that's why I like doing these with you. That that's was a so great awesome. little reference. Oh, that's amazing. Wow. So what about the one slice of pizza at a time? Is that a reference to anything at Star Trek experience? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. No, but that's funny. I Could you get one slice of pizza at a time at Quark's maybe? I don't know. But I don't know, but they had the best hamburgers, I'm telling you. Oh, man, I didn't try the hamburgers. I wish I oh, had. Oh, I love them. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I remember the Holy Rings of Beta Z being very good. <laughs> what is that? Onion rings? Yeah, it was a little stack of onion rings. Okay, I didn't. I don't know if I had that. They were pretty good. They were great. But yes, the Klingon encounter. They're like, ah, this will be no problem. I, I think I've handled those before. But yeah, they're in the cargo bay. They have to stack crates. Shax is like, if they want us to stack them, why are they shaped like this? That was great. <laughs> and then he does get them stacked and they fall over. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But yeah, all around them, things are going on. There's, uh, There's... 
Klingons just on the other side of the door, but you know, don't worry about it. We've got it. You just have to stack the crates. Q shows up at one point. One of the senior officers runs in, in a, in a outfit from the episode Cupid and yells about, Oh, now there's Jem Hadar and he runs off or something. So, you know, they get to see what it's like to not be in the loop when all this stuff's going on. They're just stuck doing menial jobs while everyone else goes and defends the ship. Yeah, that kind of hit too close to home because I know there's times in my career where I was like, why don't I know what's going on? Why does it seem like nobody's telling us anything? And yes, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like you just feel left out and you're doing this other little work, but we really need to know what the bigger picture is and and be involved. And why isn't anybody letting us know? And now I do that to people. So, (laughs) no, I don't. Anyway, you're drunk so on power, Bruce. <laughs> I'm drunk on power. What little I have. But then they are now assigned a joint exercise. So the bridge crew and the lower deckers are sent to the bridge and they're on the real bridge because they're going to save Spock from the Genesis planet. And they're all like, oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Like they all know. I love how they've seen all the episodes of movies like we have. Mm-hmm. This was fun because this is one of my favorite scenes in all of Star Trek is the stealing the Enterprise from space dock. But of course, it all goes to crap because, first of all, Shax has to stretch because he's sore from uh, sleeping in the bunks. And Mariner, it's naked time. Mariner's watching this and he's like, it's naked time. And uh, yeah. That he she's treated to that view again and she ends up arguing with her mom and they end up crashing into the doors which isn't even a failing grade it's an incomplete they didn't even make it out of space dock yeah because they expect that everybody's going to make it out of space dock that's the easy part right and freeman mentions that the drills are public like you said earlier in the episode because that's how she witnessed what happened to mariner and the horse so yeah they get in that whole fight about this stuff and they did make it through space dock then we see Mariner and Freeman in the mess hall talking after they failed this thing. And they, oh, I can't believe we didn't even make it out of space dock and stuff. The carpet isn't always grayer on the other side, <laughs> which I thought was funny. Yeah, that was one of my favorite lines. The line is the carpet's always grayer on the opposite side of the ship. That was one of my favorite lines as well. I love that yes. because, you know, they, they start to think that the whole point of this test was, oh, we, we're, we're coming together as a crew. We're realizing that, you know we don't necessarily have it easy. The other people don't necessarily have it easy. You know, we're having a greater understanding of each other's roles and that, that must be what this test's all about. You know, that's the lesson that we're supposed to get from all of this. And did you at this point think that was the case? Like when they're coming to this realization? Um, a little, but I thought it was a little too early and convenient that there had to be a wrinkle in this. Mm-hmm. It's funny, yeah, because before they come to this conclusion, I'm like, I think that might be what it's all about. But then like you, when they actually do come to that conclusion, I'm like, oh, no, it's something else because we're not close enough to the end of the episode yet. So, right. Yeah. Which, of course, <laughs> that's not what it is, because this training person this training advisor is trying to protect her job because when she does these simulations all these crews on these ships are always passing so what is she going to do she's going to go for the crappy california class ship you know because you know most of the federation doesn't even know they exist and they're probably going to fail and if everybody's always passing then they don't need these drill instructors these administrators to do the same so she needs someone to fail to keep her job i thought 
her saying that most of the Federation doesn't even know these ships exist was like a beautiful little in-joke. I thought that was really funny, too. Yes, because we never heard of this class of ship before. We never heard of the Cerritos until this series. So, yeah. But then Freeman and Mariner are like, okay, well, you know what? We're going to go after a crystalline entity. We're going to do a real simulation. <laughs> <laughs> well, before that, though, they realized that the tests aren't finalized yet because guess who's still in their test trying to get a perfect score? It's Boimler, right? Everyone yes. else has all failed their tests, so they're locked out of the system. But Boimler, he's at 98%. He's almost there. And then they call him and he's achieved his 100%. But... <laughs> Now he's ordered to stay in there because he's got to keep that test going because once he's done, those scores get sent off and they're sunk. <laughs> and as they're talking, it dips down to 99% when the board <laughs> see him. I felt I so bad for him at this point. I know Freeman's like, keep it going, Boimler. He's like, okay. And he's holding all those Borg babies. He's like, all right. And then that hundred, all of a sudden these Borg show up and yeah, beep, down to 99. He's like, crap. <laughs> <laughs> But then the Borg Queen shows up. This was amazing. Alice Krieg reprising her role as the Borg Queen. That was that was the chef kiss moment of the episode for me. Now, Brilliant. did you know it was her when you heard the voice? Or did you then know that at, when you saw the credits? What, what point did you know it was actually her? As soon as she spoke. As soon as she yeah. spoke. I was like, oh, wow. They got Alice Krieg back. This is amazing. Uh, and the, the, the credits confirmed it, of course, but I was like, I'm pretty sure that's her. It's so distinctive, that voice. Yeah, I thought when I first heard it, I was like, oh, that's her. And I thought, well, wait, is it? Because they don't have her coming back to Picard. They have somebody else coming back to play that role in Picard. But is that her? And then I thought, whoever it is is doing a really good job at this. Mm -hmm. And then I thought, or did they just lift her voice out of first contact and do some kind of computer stuff that like mixed some words together and put them back together in different ways. <laughs> I was like, cause this is really good. And then, yeah, when the credits came up, I was like, Oh my gosh, it really was her. <laughs> the one moment where I was like, absolutely a hundred percent sure they didn't just doctor her voice was again, one of my favorite lines in the whole episode where she's looking at Boimler and says a remarkable creature, your design very nearly passes as human. I am human. Oh, wow. Then you need to drink more water. Your skin is a mess. <laughs> I love how so many lines that you're putting out there are ones I wrote down. <laughs> We're hitting the same ones that we like. I know. I love that thing. So then they go looking for a black hole to change the score. And Boimler stole Borg. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, what, what did you think at this point? I, I'm loving this episode. I thought it was great. I love that, you know, these crazy things. First, before they go to the black hole, they they the whole sector is swarming with crystalline entities, apparently. And they seek out one of these. And, you know, I loved all the people in the bar looking out the window and going, huh. And then getting back to business because, yeah. yeah, this is just everyday stuff. Yeah. Regular but of, day. But, of course, Sherry is, you know, she's a desk-bound whatever she's she fakes it right she doesn't know what it's really like out there she just does these scenarios so she's freaking out but everyone else is on top of this and like the crew coming together at this point is to me kind of the the message behind this episode that i really liked where you know 
Starfleet is a dangerous job and every day is, you know, these, these simulations are kind of these forced situations, but the real life everyday work, this crew is just as good as any other crew. And I, I really like that. I thought that was an excellent takeaway from this episode with all of them working together to overcome the problem of this Starfleet tester person trying to get them to fail on purpose. I love how her head and her torso and everything's being thrown around the bridge. So that was cracking me up. But as you said, we're seeing the senior crew and the lower deckers form a tighter bond and working more together as a team. And so many times we've talked about episodes of lower decks where we say, Oh, we really like this episode because Boimler and Mariner kind of bonded at the end or Rutherford and Tendy did, or, you know, it's always these two characters or three characters that, in this case, it's the whole cast. You know, mm-hmm. it's all the characters have bonded together, the seniors with the lower deckers. And I just feel like in the next episode, we'll see them be more a united team. At mm. least I hope so. I hope so, too. Like after last week's episode, I was really hoping Mariner saw Boimler as more of a competent, you know, person and that sort of thing. This episode there's a one moment where it kind of, you know, when Freeman says Boimler, he's one of our best. And Mariner says, oh, is he really? And I'm like, mm, I don't know. Did she really learn that lesson last week? Or maybe she's just like playing it up, you know, in front of the captain and stuff and that kind of thing, being her sarcastic self. But going forward from this episode, I hope that's the case as well, where the crew is a tighter knit unit. And we do know from this point going forward, the lower deckers will have better food because they get wheeled into their bar, a brand new replicator that, you know, has the senior officer menu items on it. Yes. And Teddy goes, we've got pesto. (laughs) (laughs) And Boimler's excited about the fancy mac and cheese with the crust on top. (laughs) (laughs) Who wouldn't be? (laughs) Nice little callback to season one there that I appreciated. And I also like earlier before that, when Boimler comes out of the simulation, he's like, did I get a perfect score? And Tendi's like, you sure did, even though it was failing. But, it's like you know, 8% now. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but they're trying to you know keep his morale up and he's like, oh, good, you know, so happy. But yeah, I love this episode. Everything about this episode was just so much fun. There was just so much humor in it. There's a lot of different things happening at and all the different simulations and each character moment. And like you said, lunch, but a bunch of callbacks to different star Trek stuff. So, you know, I have to give this one five out of five crates that won't stack. <laughs> that's a, that's a very frustrating score for senior officers who have to take on the role of lower deckers. But <laughs> yeah, I really appreciated this episode too. Again, this season, the heart in these episodes is just really coming through and the the funny moments, the comedy bits, they're great. I'm really enjoying it. I saw, I, I gotta say here, I did see a tweet from someone, I can't remember who, and I noticed they've now gone back and deleted the tweet, but the tweet said something along the lines of, there's sex in every episode of Lower Decks, I'm getting really tired of it or something. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm thinking, oh yeah, because there was never any sex in any Star Trek before, for sure, but uh Anyway, even those bits, I love that they're pushing the envelope a little bit. It really is adult humor, and I appreciate it. I think it's funny. I know it might not be to everybody's taste, but I think it's a lot of fun. And 
the surprise guest star of Alice Krieg, I think was amazing. That was a great bit of casting to bring her back and her blowing on Boimler, Boimler's skin like she did Data's. That was great. Um, and that the very last line of the episode where it's, you know, they're going to end it on a funny line. It seems like a classic Star Trek episode where Boimler's asking about the mac and cheese and Shaq says, sounds like the one thing the Borg didn't assimilate was your appetite. And they're all like, ah, ha, ha. And he said, like, they took everything from me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Boimler. So it, you think it's going to just be this funny note to end on. But we get that last little line from Boimler as they warp off. And <laughs> my wife turned to me at that moment and went, oh, Boimler. <laughs> so I hope he's okay. Poor guy. <laughs> but yeah, I love how they're all laughing. There's like, Shex gives that little line and everyone laughs. Like, you know, the old TV shows where, you know, and even we had those in the TOS where there's that last line. Everybody's laughing on the bridge or whatever. You know, it just mm -hmm. kind of reminded me of that. <laughs> yeah. So uh, to wrap up my my score, I think would be have to be uh, five bowls of pesto because the episode is that good. I really it's one of the top ones this season. That's two in a row for me that are just like top notch. So good. They're on a streak right now. It was so good for me that I had to go look and say, wait, is this the final episode of the season? Because <laughs> I thought it was that good. <laughs> Well, it's not. We've got some more. How many do we have this season? Two more left? Two more left. I'm assuming there's going to be a big finale with the Packleds and maybe Thomas Boimler. Nope. William Boimler <laughs> and Captain Riker and the Titan. That's my guess. That's my prediction for the, the finale of the season. I think that's a good idea. That's a good prediction. I'm I'm there with you. We'll see what happens. So I'm looking forward to it. But in the meantime, Dan, when people want to find you, where can they find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Kurtrats and on YouTube.com slash Kurtrats Productions. And Kurtrats is just K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S. And I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. And then I'm also occasionally on Literary Treks and the Star Wars Report podcast. And of course, check out our discussion group on Facebook, Positively Trek Discussion Group. Yes, there is the Facebook page, but make sure you look for the discussion group. We'll let you in and there's some great conversations going on in there. And there'll be some comments about this episode of this podcast that you can join in to that conversation in the discussion group among others. And then we also have a Goodreads group that shows the books that we're reading for our book club. And then we also have our Twitter handle, Positively Trek. You can email us, PositivelyTrek at gmail.com. By the way, we're also on Instagram, Positively Trek. And I'm sure we're somewhere else that I'm not even thinking about right now, but I think that's enough, right? So... We have another episode tomorrow, Dan, our flagship show, and we don't know what we're talking about, but Dan's going to surprise me later the, tonight after we record. <laughs> so we'll I'll come find up with something. <laughs> we'll come up with something. I'll, I'll throw something in there, too. I'll surprise you with something. So <laughs> how's that? So thanks, everyone, for listening. And you know what we always say, stay positive. Yay. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.